With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. For everything. For everything indie. For everything cults. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Colts fans. We now turn our attention towards the draft, and we kind of start our first deep dive of the early draft season. So we welcoming Kevin Brockway. He does a great job coming to Florida Gators for the Gainesville Sun and the Gannett Florida Network. He is someone who's seen every snap of Anthony Richardson so far. This is one of the most intriguing draft prospects uh, that we have. So, Kevin, appreciate you coming on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Let's just start with Anthony Richardson right away. He is kind of the biggest wild card in this draft. Is he someone you think that made the right decision in coming out a year early, or would he have benefited from maybe staying one more year at Florida? I personally think he could have benefited from staying another year, but there were obviously a lot of factors in play. Uh, I think certainly he wants to take care of his family. And uh, I, I think he showed growth and progression throughout the year, but another year probably could have helped him. So, Kevin, the reason why he left right is part because everyone's raving about his traits. And you watch – it's very easy to see. If you watch any Anthony Richards highlights, the ball jumps out of his arm. It, it's incredible. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. What is seeing every step of Anthony Richardson at Florida, what do you think is his biggest strength coming into the NFL? Yeah, he the velocity on his throws, his athletic ability, obviously his ability – to get outside the pocket and make big plays with his legs uh, is something that uh, certainly is valuable. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just think his overall, you know, he throws a very pretty deep ball, um, which which I think is important. I, I think he matured and grew, to, grew a little bit as a leader during the course of the season too, even though maybe the record didn't, you know, entirely reflect that. But I think there were a lot of questions going into the season about his off-field maturity and those were answered he, and his durability too. That was another issue. Uh, but he made it through a, 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 a you know a twelve start season healthy, um, so I think some of those questions were answered in his first full year as a starter at Florida. You look how the, the Gator season overall went, Kevin. Right, like I said, they had that great win week one against against Utah. They jump into the top ten, and it's kind of up and down from there. They finish with a six and six record. Obviously, right, the, the quarterback is now responsible for everything that goes on a season. But as you kind of know now, with the way we kind of look at football, a lot of attention, a lot of really emphasis on wins and losses is put on the quarterback. The Gators finished six and six. How much of that do you think is on Richardson? And is that something where, you know, if he was a little bit more consistent, maybe this record should have been a little bit better than it actually was. Like how much of the six and six record would you say you put on Richardson's shoulders uh, squarely, if you will? I mean, I would say about 40 to 50%, but you have to remember this was a historically bad Florida defense. So a lot of, in a lot of games, he was playing uphill. Um, really. If you looked at it, I mean, you know, Florida's defense, uh, I gave up 40 or more to four different teams this season. Um, So it wasn't like he wasn't putting points on the board. 
I think the bigger issues for Florida when you look at the record uh, was was defensively, and also didn't have really the greatest cast of receivers too, and and health health of the receivers. You know, Justin Shorter, you know, Penn State transfer, kind of had his moments, but he missed three of the last four games with a hamstring issue. Uh, Ricky Pearsall was probably his best receiver, but he was more of a slot guy. He wasn't really a, a, a dynamic guy. Uh, and he had to rely on a lot of young receivers that he had to kind of get to know during the course of the season. So I think that uh, in turn also uh, was was part of an issue to Florida's 6-6 uh, six and six record this season. And you look at Florida, too, the way the offense was, was run there, Kevin. As you know, right, the NFL is really starting to mirror more towards college offenses now and really starting to kind of – how college quarterbacks run their offense, it's starting to kind of permeate more into the NFL. When you look at Billy Napier in his first year in Gainesville, can that offense be replicated? Like, if the, Let's just say the Colts were to draft Anthony Richardson. Could they kind of take what they did at Florida and transfer that to the NFL, or do you think it's going to be kind of two different systems of what he did in college versus what he'll be asked to run in the, in the pros? Well, you know, he did a lot of shotgun. They did a lot of pistol formation, and they did a lot of read option, uh, which, which I think plays well in the NFL as well and with his athletic ability uh, and his strengths. Uh, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, being a runner and handing off uh, to different people. So I think it could work well with Anthony. You know, I just think the key for him um, and one of his weaknesses that uh, he got a little better at throughout the season, just just the accuracy and the touch on his throws. I think those are those are two areas where, where he really needs to get better. You mentioned that, like, some of the flaws, right? And, like, the accuracy, is that the, is that the biggest flaw, I think, or that's the biggest thing you have to work on coming out of Florida? Yeah, accuracy and seeing the field a little bit. I think those are two areas where he showed some growth. And like I said, he throws a fastball. So um, even with the short and intermediate passes, uh, really uh, is 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 something that uh, he needs he needs to do. And and you know he did show I think maturity is a, a you know leader off the field. But I think one big issue was and uh, it kind of showed in the Kentucky game where he really struggled. He was fourteen of thirty five through, you know, that really loud pick six that really cost him that game. And um, Keon Zipper, the tight end, talked about having to reach him, having to get him back into the game. So he's a kid that mentally sometimes his confidence gets shaken easily. And uh, I think you want, you know, the SEC is cutthroat, but the NFL is even more cutthroat. And you want that guy between the lines uh, that's going to have the confidence, that's going to be able to shake off mistakes. And that's an area where I wonder – uh, with Anthony long term, if he's going to be able to develop that thick skin and mental toughness uh, to be successful in the NFL, because that's tremendously important, as you know. You mentioned earlier, Kevin, about you know his maturity and how he did kind of you know get more mature as season went on. Is that an area you think he could improve? Because it's really tough. Like you know, you look at any NFL quarterback; they're under a microscope twenty four seven. So you're right. The one bad throw for Anthony Richardson, you know, people are going to be questioning having and you know throwing some negative comments out there. Is he a guy you think that could develop? You know that mental toughness to where that, you know, the negativity won't affect him uh, in the pros. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big question mark uh, going into it. Um, I think he did show better maturity in that area through the course of the season. He was very good with us, with the press. Uh, he was accountable uh, a lot of the times, um, but almost to a fault in terms of, you know, revealing too much. Like he talked to one game about, you know, losing his confidence against Kentucky, which is something that, uh, I don't think you ever want to hear from a starting quarterback, even if they're thinking about it. So I I think that's kind of interesting when you look at uh, his uh, ability. Um, You know, he's got all the physical gifts. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of, you know, what's inside. And there were some questions about how willing of a runner he was too during the course of the season as well. I think he did get banged up a little bit in that Kentucky game early in the season. 
And I think he was under orders too, given the backup quarterback situation, uh, maybe to not take as many chances. Um, but the flip side is he made through a, a 12th, you know, game season healthy. So I think there's got to be a balance of that, of, of letting him run and use his athletic gifts versus, you know, preservation. Uh, because, you know, the NFL, you get whacked by those linebackers uh, and uh, even some of those defensive backs, um, you know, your, your body can only take so much, right? That's a good point there, Kevin, because you're right, like, you know, you, oh, God damn it. Sorry. No, it's okay. All right, third time's a charm. Three, two, and one. The run game is really interesting, Kevin, because, you know, as you see now, the run game is a large part of a lot of successful quarterbacks' game. You see Jalen Hurts and the Eagles having great success uh, with his legs, but also you see Jalen Hurts just gets hurt recently. Colts fans are no stranger to quarterbacks getting dinged up uh, over the course of time. Unfortunately, Andrew Luck, we saw his career and because of all the hits he's taken. How important is the run game for Anthony Richards to have success? Is he a guy like Lamar Jackson where he needs it as a, you know, a 50-50 run pass? Or is he someone that runs when it's available, but he can kind of win games more with his arm? Yeah, I think he's shown during the course of the season that he can win games with his arm, but it's always a nice extra. You know, that you, know, you looked at that Utah game week one and that 49-yard run. He had a huge run in the Texas A&M game, too. He's really good going to the outside, uh, you know, when he gets good blocking. And and one thing Florida had this season was a pretty good offensive line. Uh, Osiris Torrance is a guy. And I'm telling you, if uh, if Anthony Richardson is not available in the first round, I think that's a guy the Colts should look at in terms of a right guard. He would be a really nice addition to an offensive line. But they uh, they had a historically good offensive line, and Anthony was able to run behind it and make big plays here and there. So I think he can – you know, but I do think that he's he's shown the ability to, you know, obviously uh, get into a, a rhythm and, and make some throws and, and make some big plays with his arm. Um, but obviously the accuracy is something that's uh, going to have to be, uh, you know, uh, something that's on, you know, he's, he's kind of a big play guy in that regard. You know, he can make big plays with his arm, but moving the chains consistently, I think, is a little bit of an issue. For Colts fans that have not watched a lot of Florida so far this year, Kevin, what would you kind of comp Anthony Richardson's game to? Is there a quarter like you see in the NFL that Anthony Richardson kind of reminds you of, or maybe if everything goes well, his game could mirror? Yeah, I think a Justin Fields type would be a good comp. Um, you know, maybe Lamar Jackson uh, is the highest upside. Uh, just someone of that nature. I think that he's uh, he's got that, that ability. If, if everything falls into place, all works well. I do think he's a guy that um, you, you would, I think realistically want to have sit a year, just kind of absorb and learn the game. Uh, I don't think he's a guy that you can throw in right away and expect success. Um, so uh, I, I think that there'll be a little bit of a learning curve in the NFL and Anthony's going to have to learn that, but certainly all the physical tools are there. And I think that's why uh, when I was at the swamp every week, there were scouts there and the Colts were there quite a bit too. So I know there's definitely interest from uh, Indianapolis when it comes to Anthony Richardson. When you look at maybe how his pro game projects, I want to throw this name by What about Josh Allen? Because you even look at Josh Allen's final year, Wyoming versus Anthony Richardson's, you know, final year at Florida. The the numbers are honestly, Kevin, kind of staggeringly similar. Look at completion percentage. Anthony Richardson this past year, 54% completion percentage. Josh Allen, his final year, Wyoming, 56%. 
16 touchdown passes for Josh Allen his final year, 17 for Anthony Richardson, six interceptions for Josh Allen, nine for Anthony Richardson, 127 pass rating for Josh Allen, 131 for Anthony Richardson. What about like Josh Allen? Would you kind of look at him as a similar comp? Yeah, Josh Allen, uh, that would be uh, interesting. That would be a high, high upside there. I don't know if he's going to develop that kind of accuracy in the pros, but he's going to have to get into a pretty good system. And uh, you just, you don't know. I mean, if, if you get into a good system, you know, maybe the fact too, that you don't have to worry about school um, and, and other outside, you know, uh, things that, uh, you know, maybe he just really hones and he works hard on his game. You know, a, a lot of people that I talk to uh, praise his work ethic. They think he's a really good worker. They think he's a really hard worker. Uh, they don't think that that's really the issue. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think you just got to wonder, you know, confidence wise, is he going to be mentally tough enough on the field between the lines uh, to be that kind of competitor, to be that kind of quarterback uh, that you need to be successful in the NFL? Some of that comes with confidence, too. You know, and you get in the right system and things go well, uh, then you believe that you can do uh, you can do anything, you know, and, and I, think right. with Anthony, I think that's. I think that's where he has to get to uh, in order to be uh, a guy in the NFL that uh, people are going to remember for years to come. I'm with you because I think that's one of the areas that's overlooked, Kevin, when it comes to, you know, quarterbacks in the, in the draft kind of developing, having success, is everyone assumes, oh, it's a plug and play. No matter what this guy does at, at college, like they'll just be fine in the NFL. And it's like a lot of it is, like you said, coach, circumstance, where you go. Look at a guy like Josh Allen in Buffalo. There was a lot of consistency there, a lot of great talent around him. It only got better, and you saw his progression go – as the Bills continue to get better, it's why, like, you know, myself and George have been hammering home on the on the podcast like how important, just first of all, the head coach hiring is for the Colts because you're right, like, circumstance situation does mean so much where if you can have the right head coach, you have talent around him, it makes their development so much easier, so much better. We've talked a lot about, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson's, you know, struggle in terms of accuracy. We've seen something enough where Josh Allen has been able to increase his accuracy over the time, over the course of his NFL career. Is that is that something where you think he can improve upon it? And when it comes to accuracy, especially, or specifically, Kevin, is this something where it's short-term or, or short uh, passing accuracy, deep ball accuracy. Where is the accuracy um, you think tough or, or that has to be improved the most? I think on the shorter and the intermediate routes, the crossing routes is an area where uh, he kind of, uh, he kind of struggles a little bit. And, uh, you know, I think too, it's just, you know, like I said before, he throws a fastball. So even when he does hit his receivers, um, you know, sometimes you have a lot of drops as a result because the ball comes in really hot. Um, so you need to really have a, a bunch of receivers that are going to be on the jugs machines in terms of that and uh, get used to the fact that he, he throws a fastball no matter what. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, he could learn a little bit of touch on those shorter and immediate throws. You know, they didn't really throw to the running backs much, throw a lot of screen passes at Florida. I think that was a big reason why uh, was because of the fact that uh, – they knew that he threw kind of a hot ball. They did throw a lot of wide receiver screens in the offense, uh, bubble screens and so forth, but those were kind of those those longer sideline throws. All right, Kevin, to kind of wrap up here, you know, you look at, you know, Anthony Richardson draft, uh, his draft prospect going uh, going forward here. One of the things the Colts do, Harper, especially Chris Ballard, assuming Chris Ballard is going to be the GM, which is a question here, but he does put a lot of emphasis on character. We talked about, you know, mental toughness, which is different. Is there any character issues with Anthony Richardson off the field that maybe could raise some red flags? You know, I don't think so. I mean, I think he had some issues the year before. He had a speeding ticket. 
you know, 100 miles an hour in a Hummer or whatever uh, that he got. Now, don't forget, these kids get NIL money now. And there were some reports, you know, uh, surfacing that uh, Richardson had as much as a $1 million NIL deal in Florida um, and, you know, car deals and so forth and everything. So for, you know, a 19, 20-year-old kid to be throwing that kind of money, uh, that's not the easiest thing to handle. Um, and, right. But, you know, he certainly, uh, you know, he, he had that speeding ticket and people were up in arms over that. I think, you know, he used to do the backflips and he got hurt doing the backflips once and everything. And But this was all in 2021. And in 2022, he showed a lot more maturity. He got to the season without any incidents, without any speeding tickets or anything like that. And I always thought in the press conferences, he handled himself in a, a first-class manner. He never snapped or anything when, when things went down. He was, he was very humble, very thoughtful, very conscientious. So I think as a face of a franchise, uh, he would be a guy that uh, I think would, would represent an organization pretty well. And so to finally here, Kevin, last question for you. So obviously we know the upside, right, is the reason why people are raving about him and talking about him being a first-round draft pick. When you look at everything and, you know, the odds of him putting it all together, obviously we know quarterbacks get bumped up the draft floor, but do you think he is a first-round pick? And the Colts picking the top ten, should they take a risk on him or see more of a guy? If you wait, you think more of a second-round kind of guy, more developmental project, if you will. Well, I think what will be interesting is if he goes to the combine, I mean, I think his measurables are going to be off the charts and I think that's going to shoot him up. Um, so, uh, you know, he may be worth the risk as a top 10 based on upside. Um, it takes just one team to fall in love with you. I see him as more of a late first, early second round pick myself. I would, I would probably invest there on him, but uh, you know, you never really know. I mean, it's just going to depend on how the quarterbacks run, how the quarterbacks go in this draft. Um, certainly there are going to be uh a lot of guys in this class, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, you know, the former guy in Indiana, Michael Penix, you know, might be up there mm-hmm. too. Um, so uh, who I think is a great thrower. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where Anthony lands. But certainly in terms of a dual threat guy, um, Anthony is probably uh, the best of the bunch coming out. And uh, certainly the NFL, you know, certainly, uh, you know, puts a lot of stock on that in today's game. You've, you've seen the dual threat guys, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. You've seen those guys be successful um, of late, and uh, I think that uh, that's where that's where Anthony can kind of raise the stock. Well, Kevin, really do appreciate the time. It's going to be a lot of you know a lot of time between now and the draft, analyzing, going back and forth. So, appreciate kind of the early preview. Yeah, it's going to be great, and uh, feel free to keep in touch. I mean, the combine should be pretty interesting. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Kevin Brockwood, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey here with you solo today. Unfortunately, George is feeling under the weather. So we do wish him a speedy recovery. He should be back on the postgame pod Monday night after the Chargers-Colts Monday night game. But he will not be joining us here on the Friday edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Again, our well wishes uh, to George 
and a speedy recovery. He is feeling ill. I hope the Colts didn't do it to him. I mean, we've seen a lot of bad football here. So hopefully the Colts uh, haven't put George in this state of feeling sick. But, I mean, a lot of us fans here, think we are in that state. But thankfully, at least three more games of torture left. Next one up, Monday night, Chargers and the Colts. We'll get into that Monday night matchup because there is some intrigue there. With a roster move that was made earlier this week, and that was the fact that now Matt Ryan is benched for the second time this season. Nick Foles will start not only Monday night, but according to Jeff Saturday, he will start now the rest of the season. We will get into that uh, that idea, that decision. We'll just get into the Pro Bowl rosters that were revealed. The Colts did have one Pro Bowler, and there was, I think, just an egregious, egregious snub on the Colts. We get they've had a bad season for sure. I think there's one player that deserved at least Pro Bowl nod that is getting zero respect whatsoever. We'll discuss that. And since it is the holiday time, you know, happy Hanukkah to those that are celebrating that now when they're missed of, of Hanukkah. Christmas is coming up here very shortly. So we figured, okay, since we're in the holiday spirit, Colts need a lot of help. If you were writing a holiday wish list, what three wishes would you put on that list for the Colts, whether it's this year, whether it's next year? I have three of my wishes. I'll tell you those uh, in a little bit as well, but. Let's kick off this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod by talking about the latest change at quarterback, and that is that, again, for the second time this season, Matt Ryan's getting benched. Nick Foles will be getting his first start of the year for the Colts. And frankly, I don't get this move. I don't think it makes any sense. I don't understand why, if you're going to bench Matt Ryan, why Nick Foles is the guy. Few reasons. Number one, what does Nick Foles have to show you? Right, He is the guy who's been around the league a ton. He's the guy that's most likely will not be with the Colts next year. And even if so, what is he really going to prove to you in the next three games? You don't already know. This would have been a great opportunity for me if you were the Colts to play Sam Ellinger again. Listen, I'm not a Sam Ellinger fan. And if you listen to this podcast from the inception uh, when we started back at training camp, first of all, thank you. We, we appreciate you. If not, if you come along the way, we are obviously are very appreciative that you have joined us throughout the season here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod. But in case you missed it, my, my feelings, and George echoed this as well a little bit, is we don't really understand the Sam Ellinger hype and love when it came to the Colts uh, kind of raving about this guy. We've heard rumblings in, in training camp and how much they think, you know, his, his how high his ceiling is, what he could develop to be. I mean, this is a guy they put on the 53-man roster initially while breaking out of training camp because they were afraid that he was going to go claimed if they, you know, try to put him through waivers and have him be, uh, be on the practice squad. They were afraid they were not going to have the opportunity to re-sign to the practice squad if they left him out there for waivers. So the Colts think highly of Sam Ellinger for, for whatever reason. I don't know why. We saw in the two games that he was then thrust into the starting role against the Commanders, against the Patriots, how bad that, that got and how truly far away he is. But for the Colts right now, look, it's obvious, right? Winning is not in their best interest. But even if that's the case, or even if you are still trying to win games, what does really Nick Foles have to give you? Like, I think to me, Sam Ellinger playing the last three games does one of two things for you, both in a beneficial way. Number one, it gives Jim Mersey, which seems to be the biggest Sam Ellinger fan, but also Chris Bowd, if he likes him as well, gives him another opportunity to see what Sam Ellinger can do the last three games. But more importantly, he gives this team the best way to lose the next three games. Look, it, it shouldn't be that hard to lose to the Chargers. It should not be that hard to lose to the Giants. That big game is going to be Week 18 against the Texans. You have Sam Ellinger quarterback. There's a chance Colts could lose that game. I think they will win it with, with Nick Foles a quarterback, but still, if you have Sam Ellinger being quarterback one, it at least gives the opportunity to go 0-3 down the stretch, which is, again, the biggest benefit for the Colts moving forward. 
But either way, I don't know what, what Nick Foles accomplishes. Even if you lose the next three games to Nick Foles, congratulations. Is he really the guy that, you know, is worth watching the next three games? Like, he gives you nothing. This is a guy that has not even thrown one pass in a game of practice to a, a starter on the field, which is, again, a good thing because you want him to be brushy. You don't want him to be very good. But it's the right move to, to, to bench Matt Ryan. I think it's obvious, right? With the with the way the play has gone so far this season, with the fact that his you know his contract is guaranteed next year for injury. So God forbid if he was to get hurt, tear an ACL, hurt his shoulder even more, have another injury where he can't pass a physical in March. That's a main issue. That's a huge issue because then all of a sudden his money is guaranteed and that flexibility that the Colts have uh, going into next season is gone. Now again, if it's me, I think Matt Ryan should be the quarterback for this team next year in part because I think they're going to draft and should draft a quarterback in the first round. Outside of Bryce Young, I don't think any quarterback is going to start week one. So if I'm the Colts, I would, yes, want to have a guy that could learn from an experienced value like Matt Ryan. So at least to have Matt Ryan in the building playing for, let's say, most of the year, 10, 12 games until the rookie quarterback, whoever it may be, is able to play and able to kind of, you know, be comfortable enough to run the offense. That's a guy that I want them learning from. So for me, Matt Ryan, I think he should be a lock to be back next year, I would have him on the roster. And so that means that also you got to do some roster gymnastics with Nick Foles on a two-year deal. Sam Ellinger still on a rookie deal as well. I wouldn't bring Nick Foles back. I wouldn't. So again, for me, I don't think Nick Foles has anything to prove just because I think he gives the Colts a better chance, even though he's had zero starting reps with the uh, with the starters. He, you know, Again, Wednesday practice was the first time he's thrown the ball to Michael Pittman Jr. this year. So it's not like Nick Foles should come in and light it up. But I think he gives the Colts a better chance of winning than Sam Ellinger, which is an issue, again, when you don't want to win any games. And I don't think he should be on the roster either way with how he plays. Um, so I don't just don't want to see the upside. I don't see the point of playing Nick Foles. Like, if you're going to bench Matt Ryan, which you get is the right move, play Sam Ellinger. Give the young kid a shot. And again, just allow him to, to be put in a position where he's not going to succeed. Have him play on Monday night and not play very well. Have him go play against the Giants next week and not play very well. Have him try to lose to the Texans. Because I will say, even though on paper the Colts should lose at least two of the next three games, I can't sit here with certainty. Like, this is the same team we just saw race to a 33-0 halftime lead against the Vikings, who most likely will finish second in the NFC. Now I get it. The Vikings are flawed. Their defense is the worst in the NFL. But it's not like the Colts are hopeless like the Texans where there's no chance of them winning a game. They should lose to the Chargers. They should lose to the Giants. Can I sit here and guarantee that they're going to lose? I can't. I can't because they should have just beat the Vikings. Now, again, for how good they were in the first, if that's how bad they were the last 24 minutes of the game, so credit to the Colts, I guess, for finally coming back down to earth and losing that game against the, the Vikings in historic fashion. But they were, in a sense, good enough for two, two and a half quarters to dominate one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't think it's crazy to think for a Chargers team that's been up and down all season long uh, I guess a Giants team that still is, is not, even with the win on Sunday night against the Commanders, is not trending in the right direction at 8-5-1. and one. It's not like they do a lot well that where you go into that game next week and like, oh, Colts can't win this one. They have their work cut out for them. No. They have a chance to win both of these games. And so if I'm Jim Mersey, if I'm Chris Ballard, even if I'm Jeff Saturday, look, Jeff Saturday has to have some self-awareness and realize, I'm not getting the job. You, you blow what was a 33-0 halftime lead, signed, sealed, and delivered. You are not being the permanent head coach of this Colts team going forward here. So now it's all about like what me and George talked about in the postgame pod after that just debacle in Minnesota. 2023 has to be now the prime focus. 
These last three games, forget about anything in 2022. There's nothing to gain by trying to win these last three games. 2023, the future has to be the focus for this team. And so if you're the Colts, I think one of the best ways to focus on your future is by playing Sam Ellinger, not Nick Foles. Again, I don't get the point of Nick Foles playing on Monday night or any of the other three games. The only saving grace, I guess we could say, is that Sam Ellinger, when he was tapped to be the starter after the Week 7 loss of the Titans, he was supposed to be the starter for the entire rest of the season, the entire 10 games following, and that lasted two games. So even though the Colts declare Nick Foles will be the starter for the last three games of the season, do I really think he's going to be the starter for the last three games of the season? I don't. I think we will see Sam Ellinger before the, the season is, is said and done. But with that said, I would just start him now. I would start him next, the last three games, have Nick Foles be the backup, make Matt Ryan inactive, which it looks like they will do the last three games, and just suck it up. Frankly, lose, 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 and play your way into a top five pick um, come draft time and put yourself in position to be flexible. Because that's like, if we use one word to describe the Colts this offseason, I think the one thing they have to be is, is flexible. You need flexibility when it comes to quarterback, where, again, Matt Ryan not getting hurt, which he's not going to because he's not going to play the rest of the year. If the Colts decide, ah, you know what, we don't really want to have Matt Ryan um, back next year, well, they have the flexibility to move off of that contract because his full contract is not guaranteed because he's not going to get injured. So that's where the Colts maintain flexibility. Now, sure, some of his contract is guaranteed for next year, but it's not totally killer if they don't move off of Matt Ryan, whether it's just flat out cutting him, whether it's trading him, they have the financial flexibility to move of Matt, uh, move off Matt Ryan if they so please. If they want to draft a quarterback in the first round, again, lose the next three games and put yourself firmly in the top five. gives you flexibility to where if you want to take a guy that, I don't know, maybe they fall in love with Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud, you have the flexibility sitting there number five where you can draft that guy and not have to give up assets to trade up. You have the flexibility where, let's say they don't like any of them. But that's the thing. Like, me and George have been resolute about this. I think they should take a quarterback in the first round. I would like them to take a quarterback in the first round. But here's what I don't want them to do. If they do not like any of these guys, if it's Bryce Young or Bust for the Colts, and they say, we don't like Anthony Richardson, we don't think Will Levis is very good, CJ Stroud, we don't trust. Like, if you are not in love with any of these quarterbacks, don't take one. Do not take one. That's the worst thing you could possibly do is take a quarterback that you're not all in on. So you then have the flexibility for sitting there at number four or number five to trade back if a team is so inclined to give you an offer you can't refuse to uh, trip to get their quarterback or take the best uh, best player available. Because that's, again, the Colts with this roster and what we've seen, there's not many positions on this roster where you look at it and say, oh, yeah, they couldn't use an upgrade. Like, you go best player available, that could be a receiver, that could be offensive line, that could be a corner, defensive end, like, there are so many positions on this Colts roster where you say best player available, they could go any which direction. So send there at number four, send there at number five, that allows you to take one of the best Camus prospects in the draft. And again, you don't have to trade up valuable draft capital to move up to get a guy you love. You have the flexibility where if you want to get a quarterback, you don't have to move up that far, or you can have the guy fall to you, so you don't have to give up any draft capital. And again, if you want to move off Matt Ryan financially, you have the ability to do so. So flexibility has to be the number one adjective when it comes to the Colts and how they should approach this offseason. That's why I like the move to bench Matt Ryan. It's the right one. That's also why losing these next three games, it's imperative. It's very important. It's very important for the Colts to be able to lose, lose, lose. And if you lose to the Texans, that's ice on the cake. Ice on the cake, folks. But for me, the best way to do that, the best way to accomplish going 0-3 down the stretch 
It's with Sam Ellinger, a quarterback, now with Nick Foles. So that's why I don't like the move. The Colts benching Matt Ryan for Nick Foles. I like the move benching Matt Ryan. I don't like it doing it for Nick Foles instead of Sam Ellinger. So fingers crossed, Nick Foles does not find any Philly magic like he did in the postseason a few years ago uh, and does not lead this team to a 2-1, 3-0 record down the stretch. That would be the worst-case scenario. We have a Colts team that is 7-9-1. Do not want – excuse me, do not want that. I want to lose these next three games uh, as badly as possible. Okay. So another thing I want to kind of hit on here quickly, um, and it's kind of an overall summation of the Colts season. The Pro Bowl rosters were uh, were revealed on Thursday. No surprise, Colts had one Pro Bowler. But uh, what I will say is the surprise is who it was. Quinn Nelson was elected to his fifth straight Pro Bowl. So congrats to him. A very high honor. But I will say I'm surprised, to be honest. If you told me there's going to be one Colts Pro Bowler, I would have not said Quentin Nelson. We've talked all season long about how bad this offensive line is. Like We've seen plenty of highlights, plenty of instances where Quentin Nelson flat out got bullied. Like he used to be, for the first four years in Indy, he was the bully on the street. He was driving guys into oblivion, driving them to the ground, pancaking them, pushing them 20 yards out of the play. If you watch the blind side, right, Michael Orr. There was one, one scene in the movie where Michael Orr just takes a defensive lineman Drives him so far to the play, he like he throws him over the fence, like basically off the field. That's what I think we've seen Quinn Nelson do time and time again. Or maybe not drive the guy into the stands, if you say in a, in a literal sense, but drive him out of the place so far where there's just no chance of that guy making a play. Quinn Nelson was an all-star. You rarely see highlight packages for a guard, but Quinn Nelson was that special in the first four years. But I think he regressed for how powerful, how dominant he was in the first four years in Indy. I don't think we saw that a lot this year. Now, some of that has to do with, I think, uh, around him being unstable, that Ryan Kelly took a major step back this year and was not very good. And obviously, as we know, left tackle has just been an absolute disaster, whether it's Matt Pryor, whether it's Bernard Ryman. Like, they have had their struggles. They've had their, you know, in, in Ryman's sense, a rookie lumps for sure. So, in a sense that, yes, Nelson's taking a step back. He has been dominated. We have seen him just get blown off the ball at times, which is uncharacteristic to see. But I think also part of the struggles were – around him was very unstable. You know, you're trying to make up for for Ryan Kelly's struggles. You're trying to almost do two jobs at once, whether it's Matt Pryor or a rookie and Bernard Ryman, trying to help them along as well. Well, I think that did kind of throw a cue off his game and did not have him, you know, be able to play his best football. But either way, I didn't think Quentin Nelson was worthy of being a Pro Bowl selection, but he was voted voted in by the NFL. Coaches, players, fans, they have said, Quentin Nelson, fifth year in a row, you are a Pro Bowler, congrats to you. But I think there's two takeaways here from the, the Pro Bowl rosters being revealed. And that's number one. No surprise, but this Colts roster, we've been talking about all season long, it's regressed mainly. Go back to last year. This time last year, the Colts had seven Pro Bowlers. The Colts had the most Pro Bowlers on their roster of any team last year. Obviously, we know it did not end well. They missed the playoffs. So really, what does that get you? A whole lot of nothing. I to have a nice little, you know, social media bump for, wow, seven guys are going to the Pro Bowl. Congratulations. doesn't mean much when two weeks later you lose the last two games of the regular season and you're out of the playoffs. But you look at this year, you go from seven last year to one this year. And it's not like all those guys left or were traded. Majority of those guys that made it last year were, were still on the roster this year, really outside of Shaquille Leonard, who obviously, as we know, was out for the year with injury. But I, I thought they also the interesting part is just outside of the regression of the roster, was the fact that the Colts had five Pro Bowl alternates, which, number one, that number is surprising just because, again, you look at this team, 4-9-1, you don't think there's many guys 
capable or, or deserving of going to the Pro Bowl when the season's gone so far bad uh, and it's gotten so far off the tracks that you think, well, how the hell do they have five Pro Bowl alternates? But I think also the thing is the guy most deserving of making the Pro Bowl, the guy most deserving, I thought the MVP of this Colts team, the best player by far, it's Grover Stewart. Like, I feel bad that this is the podcast that George's not here for because George started talking about earlier on the year. This is a Grover Stewart stand pod. He has been Grover Stewart's arguably biggest fan this year. Rutherford, so Grover Stewart's been by far the best, most consistent Colts player this season. And the fact that he was not listed to the Pro Bowl, could uh, Nelson being the only one deserving, he's not even listed as an alternate. The five alternates for the Pro Bowl for the Colts this year, DeForest Buckner, Zaire Franklin, Stephon Gilmore, Jonathan Taylor, Unique Ngakwe. Now, I'm not trashing any of those five guys. I think they all deserving, maybe not Jonathan Taylor, and I, maybe, I would say not even Ngakwe. But I think for sure, Gilmore, Zaire Franklin, DeForest Buckner, I, I think absolutely deserve some praise and absolutely deserve to be a Pro Bowl alternate. But you don't have DeForest Buckner, uh, excuse me, you don't have Grover Stewart making the Pro Bowl egregious, not even as an alternate? I think that's a major, major mistake and a major oversight by the NFL. I get defensive linemen, interior linemen are so tough to grade because look at the stats. There's no real stats that are going to jump out from an interior lineman that are going to say, wow, we have to have this guy in the Pro Bowl. It's not as sexy as stats or tackles for loss. But you watch Grover Stewart on a week-in, week-out basis. He just destroys every play, whether it's a run play, whether it's a pass play. Again, he's he's just been a dominant force inside. And he is constantly, I feel like, always either getting tackles for loss, getting run stuffs, or blowing up a play where the quarterback has to flush outside the pocket or the running back, if it's a handoff, has to get out of the way. And that play's blown up in Parker's cover suit. He may not get the tackle, but he's the reason why, you know, he was the disruptor on the play in order to uh, in order to blow it up. And I think it's just an absolute egregious, egregious oversight by the NFL, by the coaches, by the players, by the fans, to not have Grover Stewart voted in for the Pro Bowl or let alone be an alternate. And the three interior defensive linemen that made it from the AFC, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, Quinn Williams of the Jets, Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans. I think Grover Stewart absolutely has had equal or better seasons than any of those three guys. Like Chris Jones is a name at this point, and that's, I think, what helps. Quinn Williams is a number, I believe, three overall pick for the Jets a few years ago, and Jeffrey Simmons has made a name for himself as well in the Titans. But I think those guys, frankly, made it more so because of their name than anything they've done on the field, because I don't think their stats, you match them up, or anywhere near as better uh, than Grover Stewart's. So that, I feel so bad for Grover, because again, this is the most unheralded, maybe the most unsung hero in all the NFL for how well he's played, how consistent he has been, uh, and not getting the recognition for it. So Grover, you're a pro bowler in my book, buddy. I, I'm sorry that this is you're not getting the recognition for it, but again, I think he's been the best Colt this year by far. He's been by far the most consistent as well. And I think if you said, hey, one Colt's going to make it, I would have said, I would have guessed, oh, Grover Stewart for sure. Embarrassing. It's, it's frankly embarrassing that he's not a Pro Bowler or at least a Pro Bowl alternate. But again, Stephon Gilmore, tremendous season. He's been great for the Colts. Zara Franklin, huge hat tip to him. I'm glad he's getting his flowers. And again, being a Pro Bowl alternate to recognize how well he's been because stepping in for, Darius, uh, for Shaquille Leonard, look, obviously the one area that Shaquille Leonard um, has the biggest impact in, or really two areas you'd say that, that Zara Franklin just will, will never be able to love, uh, live up to no matter how well he plays. Leadership, right? Like you have Shaq Leonard, bring that juice. He has that leadership. He, he's a vocal guy that he brings the energy. They're just, it's just natural to him. 
that helps the defense kind of play well. But also, too, that he's just a turnover machine. He's just one of those guys that's a magnet to the ball, whether it's an interception, whether it's tips, whether it's forced fumbles. He has his own, you know, shack punch. You know, we have the peanut punch. We got to think of something that's, you know, kind of has a good roll to tongue as well for Shaquille Leonard because he deserves that kind of trademark name for how he's able to punch the ball out. But it really is like the peanut punch in reference to Peanut Tillman, a uh, longtime defense back who'd always punch the ball out. But that's, that's the two areas where Shaq really, I think, was missed this year for the Colts in terms of his leadership and in terms of his turnover ability. But otherwise, I mean, sometimes you forget Shaq Leonard's on the field because how much Zara Franklin was flying up and down the field. He has a tackling machine, top five in tackles this year. He's did pretty well for the most part in coverage. He's not a liability. He, I thought, filled in admirably for Shaq Leonard this year. So I'm glad he's getting his flowers there. Same thing with Forrest Buckner. Outside of Grover Stewart, I think he's been one of the most consistent Colts. He's been battling injuries all season long. Still, again, playing at a very high level. Interior, the Colts were tremendous. That one-two combo of DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart. I mean, you go around the league, I don't think there's a better one-two combo, honestly. Try to find a better interior line combo than DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart. I don't think you can find one. Both are playing at such a high level this year. Both have been just disruptors, whether it's in the pass game, whether it's in the run game. They've been tremendous. So I'm glad at least DeForest Buckner is getting a little bit of credit. But again, I think Grover Stewart is, is the one that really got screwed here. Really should be a pro bowler for sure. Bare minimum pro bowl alternate. It's a shame he's not getting his uh, recognition, but and Colts fans are well aware of his impact. And that's a guy that you absolutely cannot let out of the building. That's a guy that should be another cornerstone piece of the Colts here moving forward. But the last point I want to make here when it comes to the Pro Bowl rosters is this. I made no bones about it. I'm a uh, Chris Ballard defender in terms of I think you should get one more year. I think Chris Ballard, there's absolutely reasons to criticize him. I think the, this past offseason – where he's preached about off uh, offensive and defensive line depth and strength and to ignore left tackle, to ignore right guard, I think is a major, major uh, ding on the record of Chris Ballard. But with that said, I think he deserves one more offseason where I think I want to see what he can do now addressing the line. I want to see what he can do when it comes to the quarterback position where I can't fault him for being patient. I think being patient, honestly, is the right move because not a lot of guys with where the Colts were drafting with their state of the team, where I think that there could have been many upgrades over Carson Wentz or over Matt Ryan, frankly. If you want to say, oh, you should have jumped on Justin Fields and he was falling, okay, fine. I get behind that. Otherwise, like, who else are you going to trade for? Who else are you going to draft realistically that, you know, Chris Ballard could have made a move for and didn't? Like, I don't think there's a guy out there. I don't think there's a guy out there you could say, oh, the Colts absolutely would have had him or should have got him, big miss by him. That's realistic. You could say Trevor Lawrence with the Colts never getting up to number one. They're never trading into the top three. So it's one of those things where you miss out on quarterbacks in part because they've, you know, been either in the playoffs or around the playoff race. So you're not picking in the top 10 or even the top five like they are this year. So I don't think drafting a quarterback realistically um, was really an option for this team before this year. And again, not many, you know, tradable quarterbacks on the market were there for the taking. Like Russell Wilson wanted to go to one place, one place only, Denver. Can't hold Chris Ballard at fault for that. You know, Aaron Rodgers didn't get traded. Tom Brady, when he left, he was not coming to the Colts. He's going to go to the Buccaneers. Okay, fine. Can't fault him. Can't fault him. But either way, uh, either way, I should say, I want Chris Ballard back. I think he deserves one more year. And I think an, another reason kind of put a feather in his cap is, look, even for a bad season, you have six players that are either pro bowlers or pro bowl alternates. So Chris Ballard has done a job of finding individual talent. All right, seven pro bowlers last year. Again, 
six, five alternates. So it's not like it's like a crazy year, but six overall players, either pro bowlers or pro bowl alternates. He's been able to find individual talent. The issue for the Colts is putting it together and having the sum of the parts equal the whole. This year, for sure, we have not seen that as they sit there four nine and one. But with that said, I do, you know, I think for me the biggest way to change that is coaching. I'm talking about GM. I think the Colts, with the way this roster is right now, I think coach will make all the difference. So if you're able to get Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan and come to the Colts, I think this Colts team can be competitive next year. Not playoff competitive, but I think you know we will not see them being four nine and one. I think we can see a similar turnaround to Jacksonville. Now I know that's the extreme example where they were three and fourteen last year and a dumpster fire under Urban Meyer. But you look at Doug Peterson, how quickly that's turned around. Where they are right now six and eight, and I would honestly my pick with Ryan Tannehill uh, now out for the year reportedly, they're my pick to win the division. So I think you could. Be, you look at a Jaguar scene that is going to go from the number one overall pick to, I think, division winner. Now, they'll be, what, nine and eight or maybe eight and nine at best. So, it's not this drastic, drastic turnaround. But I think they are, you know, the Colts will be good enough next year to have a similar turnaround where they could be, in an ideal world, they'd be four, 12, and one, right? I could see a turnaround next year. Or if you have Jim Harbaugh, they could be nine and eight, eight and nine, right around that 500 range. That's, a, I think, a good turnaround for, for year one. Where his Colts team is. So for me, that's why I give Chris Ballard one more opportunity. Because I think for me, the biggest impact and what's going to turn this team around next year, it's not a GM bringing new players. They have talented players on the roster. It's now about how to get the most out of those talented players. I think for me, the answer is coach. Head coach. You bring in the right guy. I think that will turn this team around a lot faster than bringing a new GM. is. So that's another reason why I would bring Chris Ballard back one more year. You see, he's able to accumulate talent. Now, he has work to do. He's got to get a quarterback. You got to address the offensive line for sure, but he's shown an ability and shown a knack to be able to find talent, especially in the draft. I want to see him with one more year, what he can do. And again, I think for me, the biggest turnaround for this team will be head coach, not uh, not GM. So that's our little case. I know we, we talked a little bit on the midweek pod on Thursday, uh, on Tuesday, or I should say Wednesday. I'm getting all my days confused. I'm sorry. It's a holiday, so you know every, the, the days just all blend together. So. If you missed that, uh, we talked a lot about Chris Ballard's future and if he's on the hot seat or not on our Wednesday pod. So make sure, again, download, subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe pod so you're always staying up to date with a lot of Colts content. Even though the Colts stink, we still have a lot of content coming your way about offseason moves and the futures of a lot of important players. So make sure to check that because I thought it was a really good discussion about Chris Ballard and kind of laying out why his future is not as easy uh, or not as simple as you think. So, uh, again, subscribing, downloading, you'll get all those pods uh, right there, Chef David, everything we got coming your way. Um, but for me, again, that's the latest reason why I think Chris Bauer should be brought back for one more season. All right, when we return to the Blue Horseshoe Pod, it's the holiday time, right? We're in the holiday spirit. Hopefully you are. Christmas is just a few days away. Uh, a few days away. Hanukkah right now is in full bloom. So when we do return here, I have a wish list. Like if you could say, Ryan, what are your three wishes for the Colts? What are your three gifts that you're wishing for this holiday season, for the Colts season, or for the Colts going forward? What would it be? I'll tell you that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey here solo with you. Unfortunately, George is under the weather. He cannot be here today. But he, fingers crossed, will be back and feeling better for the post-game pod Monday night against the Chargers. But at least now to continue on in the holiday spirit, right? It's the giving season, if you will, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. It's a, it's a great time to be alive. It's always a fun time. But Whatever, you know, holiday you celebrate around this time, it's usually always a, a, a time of giving and a time of receiving. 
So let's be on the giving end, right? Let's put ourselves um, in the shoes of, let's say, Santa Claus. And we are wishing what three gifts, what three wishes could we give the Colts moving forward? Here be my wishes, right? If I'm writing to Santa, if I'm, uh, if I'm wanting a holiday wish list, my three wishes of the Colts moving forward would be this. Number one, I would wish for Bernard Ryman to develop into their left tackle permanently. This has been a guy since getting the full-time job and really sitting there at left tackle. He's incrementally getting better. Now, as a third-round pick, he's a project. So, obviously, there's still going to be a, a, a lot, you know, a lot of growing pains, a lot of development. But I think he has really started to settle in. I left tackle the last few games. Um, it's unfortunate. I don't think it, it looks like Joey Bosa will play on Monday, which would have been a great test for uh, for Bernard Ryman, for sure. Going against one of the, the elite pass rushers in the NFL. The Giants have a good defensive line. We just saw on Sunday night, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau was giving the commanders all types, uh, all types of fits. So that should be a good test for Bernard Ryman next week. Um, and then the Texans, I mean, go figure, but we saw Jerry Hughes just terrorize the Colts in week one. That could also be another good test for Bernard Ryman, kind of, you know, help his development. But if you can have Bernard Ryman develop into your left tackle and you feel good about him going to the offseason, that is just one, again, when we talk about flexibility for the Colts, right, that is one area where now there's pressure relieved. So whether it is trading up for a quarterback, whether it is giving up draft capital to maybe get Fingers crossed of Bryce Young, but maybe they love Anthony Richardson and want to trade up, or maybe it's Will Levis or CJ Stroud, whatever it is. If you have Bernard Ryman, you feel good about him going to the offseason. That could be a guy where, again, it's one less question mark that's removed. It's a little bit more flexibility for the Colts to address, whether it's corner, or it's maybe getting um, another receiver. Maybe it's addressing the, the defensive line. And, you know, Jalen Carter out of Georgia has been a guy that maybe could be the first overall uh, or the first defensive player off the uh, off the board. Maybe it's getting a guy with Will Anderson. The, the linebacker from Alabama has been tremendous so far. Maybe you compare him with Shaq Leonard and have just a, a terrorizing force off the edge. Whatever it may be, if you have Bernard Ryman, these next three games really have you feeling good at going to us is that this could be our guy going forward here. That frees up the Colts immensely to where now you don't have to spend large salary dollars in free agency or spend draft capital to get a Peter Skaronsky from Northwest or someone like that and use, uh, use draft capital to get a left tackle. It frees you up to get maybe the best player available or it frees you up to be more willing to use uh, a good amount of draft capital in order to trade up to get your guy for the future at quarterback. So that is one of my three wishes here is for Bernard Ryan to truly develop into being the left tackle for the Colts here. Because if you feel confident about his abilities, and again, not saying that next year he'll be, you know, uh, an all-pro left tackle and this guy that, you know, is is Anthony Cassandra 2.0. There'll be growing pain, still be learning curve next year as well. But if you feel like this guy has shown you enough and he can at least be competent at left tackle next year, you can feel good going to there, and you can kind of have your left tackle grow with your quarterback, kind of similar in the way that Anthony Casanzo grew with Andrew Luck uh, over his career as well. I think that would be a, a great fit for the Colts, number one. Number two, can we please, please, whoever's listening to the football gods out there, please, my second wish would be to turn the turnovers into pixie dust. Because I think one of the ways that we talk about this Colts team, one of the reasons why they're 4-9-1, and one of the reasons why I think they could turn it around and they're not that far away, you know, maybe a two-year retool, like what we're talking about on the midweek pod uh, with George Bremer. Again, in case you missed that, make sure you're downloading and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod because I think it was a good discussion. I'll go back to our Wednesday discussion. But we talked a large part about um, why this Colts team maybe, you know, should they rebuild, should they tear it all down? blow it up, or do they need a retooling? 
I'm in the camp of retooling in part because, look, even though the record is crap and they're going to be picking in the top five, this is a team that I think is not that truly a talent deficient to be a top five team because one of the reasons why they're 4-9-1 is turnovers. They lead the league of turnovers of 27. They have 13 fumbles, and that's just fumbles lost this year. Excuse me. Sorry about that. 13 fumbles lost this year, not accounting for like the 30-plus fumbles they've had just put on the ground. You had a few more uh, in Minnesota. One go the Colts' way in terms of a whistle getting blown down. Another one uh, going the Colts' way in terms of the fumbles, ruled the fumble, but blown dead so that it wasn't returned for a touchdown, which is egregious uh, missed by the referees. But if you were able to chop the turnovers even in half, I think that's right there, two to three wins for the Colts extra, that they're not giving away the game uh, um, when it comes to turnovers. They're one of the best teams in turnover differential last year. They've been the worst team this year. If you are able to take those turnovers, make them turn into pixie dust, if you will, next year, this team, again, is going to be a team that is going to be competitive and going to be a lot closer to 500 just by the fact and by the sheer fact they're not giving offenses short fields to work with. They're not putting their defense in bad positions to succeed. And they're not ruining good drives. How many times have we seen the Colts march into enemy territory only to have a Jonathan Taylor fumble, only to have a Matt Ryan strip sack, only to have Paris Campbell or Ashton Doolin or Kiki QT have a costly fumble that ruins all momentum and ends a good drive uh, on a sour note? You are able to have better ball security, whether that's, you know, however you want to make this, this wish come true, whether it's just the old stick them. We're going to have a full offseason. Just stick them on the Colts. Whether you bring in a, a turnover guru, Todd Rathman, just all of a sudden, you know, anywhere the Colts players go, you're, you're putting a ball in their hand and punching it out. Whether it's having them cradle the football like a, a newborn in all offseason, whether they're on vacation on the beach, whether they're training in California or wherever they may be, always have a football in hand, always have someone punching it, whatever you got to do to make sure ball security is first and foremost, you have to. Cut down on these turnovers, and that is a second wish I have for the Colts' holiday season. Cut down on the turnovers next year, because if so, and that easily equates to two or three more wins just by the sheer fact of not turning the ball over costly times like this team has done every single game. And finally here, my third and final wish would be this. It's player-related. Have a mismatched tight end on your roster. I think for me... When it comes to walking mismatches, when it comes to kind of putting players in position to succeed, and especially when you start to look at this team in the eye of developing a, uh, a young quarterback next year, I think one of the best ways, one of the best things a team can have is a mismatch at tight end. You look at whether it's Travis Kelsey. I know Darren Waller's had injury issues this year, but Darren Waller, uh, Dallas Gardner in, in Philly, George Kittle in San Francisco. Like when you have a tight end that is both great in the blocking game and the passing game, it's, I think, the most impossible position for defenses to cover because you have guys that are faster, so you know linebackers can't really cover well. They're stronger, so you want to put a corner or a safety on them that is out-muscle them. It's like the one position, I think, still in the NFL where it's unguardable. Like, if you have the guy at tight end, it is truly unguardable if they have a great mix of power and speed. And frankly, the Colts haven't had that in a while. Look, Jack Doyle, to his credit, he's been – a safety blanket for this team for a while. He was a tremendous blocker. But it wasn't like, you know, he was running routes like Travis Kelsey and changing the game the way a George Kittle could. You know, Dallas Clark in the heydays of Peyton, he was tremendous. But really since Dallas Clark left the Colts after the 2011 season, there's been one year where the Colts truly had a mismatch at tight end, and that was Eric Ebron 
in uh in the first year, here's an ending with Andrew Luck in 2018, right? He had what it was 14 touchdown receptions. He was a, a weapon anytime the Colts got into the red zone, and he was tremendous. Now, year two, we won't talk about, but year one at least in Indy, he was absolutely tremendous, and he was a huge reason why Andrew Luck was able to come back and come back with a vengeance uh and, and throw 40 touchdown passes because Eric Ebon, he had such a, a great mismatch, such an athletic tight end where defenses could not cover him, especially in the red zone. You look at the Colts the last two years. Why have the Colts struggled and why they missed the playoffs and this year have been a total disaster? Red's efficiency. Like, I know it's, uh, and you guys have watched it, so you know, the Colts can move the ball up and down the field. Like, it's not like this offense is inept where you're looking at the Texans or looking at the Patriots and they struggle to put two or three first downs together. The Colts have offensive success where they can go in between the 20s. The issue for the Colts is outside of just turnovers is once they get down to the red zone, they struggle punching it in for seven. Too many times they settle for three. And so when you have one of those tight ends that's a walking mismatch, it makes red zone efficiency that much better because now you can convert because you have such a threat come uh, when the field shrinks. It's always easier for the Colts to exploit that. Now, I like Jelani Woods. He's a guy that maybe could develop into that mismatch tight end where it's through free agency. Well, it's maybe a trade. Maybe it's even identifying someone else on the draft. I would love for the Colts to get a player at tight end that is both an elite blocker, both an elite pass catcher. That's really, really could be the best friend for whatever young quarterback the Colts do draft and really could kind of help this Colts offense be more productive but also be more deadly in the red zone is if you are able to get one of those dual threat tight ends that passes well, or that you know catches passes really well and also blocks really well. They're a dime a dozen. Don't get me wrong. They don't grow on trees. It's really tough to get a Travis Kelsey 2.0. But it's the wishing season, right? Like, like we wish for things all the time that maybe are not realistic. I'm sure, especially if you have kids, they're wishing for a pony or they're wishing for, you know, a life-size Barbie or they're wishing for this and that. Then you just know is not realistic, not going to come true. So we're going to kind of put ourselves in the bodies of, you know, children on this time. And we're going to wish for things that maybe are not realistic, but we're going to wish for them anyway. It's a given season. And we're going to have a little bit of fun. So if I could wish one thing for the Colts to come true, it would be a game-changing, a playmaking tight end. I think that could be a huge boost for this offense. And it could be a quick turnaround to where you have Michael Pittman Jr. We have Alec Pierce developing well in his rookie year. We'll see what the future Paris Campbell is going to be. He's going to be afraid. So maybe if you don't you know, bring him back, that could really be an area where the Colts do exploit and are able to kind of you know, bring some explosiveness to the offense, which is one thing that they have not had so far, really outside of three pass plays to Alec Pierce. They've had no explosives down the field that you could change. And also, too, again, just have a, a reliable safety blanket for whatever young quarterback you need. That's another thing that's going to help their development as well. So I would wish for a playmaking tight end. I would wish for Bernard Ryman to be the left tackle for, for the future of this Colts. And I wish the turnovers go to Pixie Dust here going forward here for the Colts. Those are my three wishes. That, that I have for the Colts here moving forward. Really not for this season because this season's lost, but going into the offseason and going towards next year, those are the three wishes I have. So I'm curious your thoughts here. Let us know whether it's on social media. You can tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey number three. Tweet at George at GM Bremer or comment. We're there, you know, we're there uh, wherever you do get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple Music. Let us know. Leave us a review in, um, you know, hopefully five stars, but if not, you know, be honest. We do love honesty. If you don't like the show, let us know what we could do to improve it. But also in the review, let us know what wish you have. If you had one wish for the Colts, it could be the offseason. It could be a position of need. Obviously, quarterbacks, I mean, obvious one. Obviously, getting the right head coach is an obvious one. So that's why I didn't include this, right? Like if I could wish for 
uh, a head coach would be Jim Harbaugh. I think I wish for a quarterback could be Bryce Young, but I think most of us are saying that. It's pretty obvious. That's why I would try to go a little bit off the beat path here of three things that not everyone else is talking about when it comes to the Colts having success and turning this thing around. So what one wish outside of quarterback, outside of head coach, do you want for this team going forward again? Leave us a review, and in that review, leave us the one wish you'd want. Or again, tweet us on social media at Ryan underscore Hickey number three, and also at GM Bremer. All right. Have a great holiday season. That'll do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Have a great, you know, holiday season. Continue it. We will be back on Monday night after the Chargers-Colts Monday night uh, primetime game. So make sure, again, you're downloading and subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. We will be back with, with our thoughts on the third to last game of the season. We're slowly getting there, folks. We're almost home uh, to put this season in bed. Then we really get, you know, get excited, start talking about a lot of fun things here with head coach and quarterback searches as well. So continue to get, uh, continue to uh, improve or continue, I should say, to give you the, the draft content you want and need. Uh, but we'll or do that. We do have to get through the regular season. So we'll do that. So again, we'll be back Monday night after Colts Chargers. So make sure to download and subscribe and hear that one. So enjoy the holidays. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Tuesday, Monday night, Tuesday morning, right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.